the welcome. Good morning. All right, you responded this time. I'm glad that you are here with us. Uh, We are continuing a study through church leadership, what it means to be a shepherd or an elder or who should be a shepherd or an elder. But this also applies to anybody who follows Christ. We learn from these characteristics. We learn what it looks like to lead. So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. If you want to turn somewhere, we're going to read that. That was our scripture reading this morning, and we're going to read that in just a moment. Uh, Are there any distinct smells that when you smell them, it triggers a memory from the past? Can you think of anything like that? Almost every time I go for a run and I come back home and I wait a while before I take a shower, my wife always requests that I please take a shower, but I delay that for a little while because the way that I smell reminds me of the glory days of playing football and being in the locker room. So certain sweat smells bring back old memories. We had some family friends growing up, the Thomasons, and almost every Friday night my family would be at their house or their family would be at my house and they had a very distinct smell to their house. It was a good smell, but I have never smelled the smell anywhere else. So when we would come home, we would jokingly say, we smell like the Thomasons. Our clothes and our skin would smell like the Thomasons. Now, as a kid, I could ride my bike all over town, but I was not allowed to cross Wesley Street in Greenville because Wesley Street was the busy street. So I was forbidden from crossing Wesley. So me or my brothers, none of us had ever crossed Wesley. The Thomason boys had never crossed Wesley. But one day, I was out riding my bike, and I rode up to Wesley. And I looked, and across the street was Poplar Street, and down Poplar Street is where the Thomasons live. So I just thought, you know... If I just cross when there's a green light, I just go down the road and I'm at their house and we can play and have fun and my parents will never know. So I waited for a green light, crossed Wesley Street. I was fine. I showed up at their house. They were very surprised to see me because I was the first one of all the boys who had been brave enough to cross Wesley. We went outside and played wiffle ball. We went inside and played and Uh, When it was getting close to dinner time, I got on my bike and I rode home, and I thought I had gotten away with it. I changed clothes and got ready for the evening, and then a little bit later, my mom came in my room with my clothes that I had changed out of, and she said, you've been at the Thomason's house. (laughs) She smelled my clothes and then called their mom to confirm that I had ridden my bike over there, and and I, I was punished for that. But she could smell me out. If you're with somebody long enough, you might start to smell like them. As we've studied through this series on church leadership, as we're in a a time, a season here at Pine Tree where we're looking for future shepherds to add on to the current shepherds that we have, I have relied heavily on a book written by a man named Lynn Anderson, and the book is called They Smell Like Sheep. Okay, this is a great resource on church leadership, but the title of the book is They Smell Like Sheep, and that indicates that shepherds, the role of a shepherd is to be around the sheep enough to where they begin to smell like their sheep. That's how you know a good shepherd. Let's begin by reading 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. And we're going to go through 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. We're going to read it, but then we're going to go back through almost phrase by phrase. So this is not a heavy day of a lot of Scripture, but we're really going to try and unpack and dissect this this passage here. So starting in verse 1, Peter writes, 
Now as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as the one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend to the flock that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it. Not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those who are in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Last week we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. These are the qualities of the type of character that we look for when establishing elders, and that's usually where we go. And 1 Peter chapter 5 is often overlooked, but I love 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, because I think Peter lays out for us as a fellow elder. He says, I'm an elder too, so he can lay out for future elders or fellow elders, this is how you lead, this is what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. In those first two verses, if you're reading from the Greek, he uses three different Greek words, and we translate these into English, and we use these words interchangeably to describe church leaders. The first one seems a little bit obvious, it's the word presbyter, and we translate it as elder. And often the term elder is what we use the most. Last week we talked about an elder being someone who is who's older and has experience with life and life with Jesus, who has walked the same direction for a long time, someone with experience. You know, most societies have had some sort of elders, some sort of older men that younger people look to for identity and guidance. So Peter says, I'm a fellow presbyter, I'm a fellow elder, appealing to you elders. And then he uses the word pomeneo, which is translated as shepherd or pastor. Now, you may pay attention and you may notice that when we're doing an invitation on Sunday mornings, I usually lean towards using the word shepherd more than the word elder, possibly because when we say elder, depending on what your church background is, elder can come with some baggage, just like using the word Christian, sometimes that comes with baggage. But I prefer the word shepherd because that describes the role. Many years ago, there was a man named Dr. Milton Bessie, and he had served as an elder at his church for many years, and he he decided it was time to resign. So he wrote a resignation letter, and it was very well thought out, prayerfully thought through, and in his resignation letter, he said, I'm resigning as an elder so that I can be freed up to do more shepherding. And God used that well-crafted letter to change the dynamics of that church. And what they realized is they didn't smell like sheep. They weren't around their sheep enough to do the role that God has called them to do. So when you're a shepherd, you have a flock. You have people that look to you for guidance. And to guide them and to be with them, you have to be around them. This is a conversation that I have almost on a weekly basis. Being Church of Christ or having background in the restoration movement, my title is a preaching minister. I meet somebody in town or somebody from the past, and they ask me what I do for a living. I'm a preaching minister. Oh, you're the pastor. And then I explain to them, no, actually, I'm the preacher. We have shepherds, and they're the leaders of the church, but I work closely with them, and I go through the whole explanation, and then they follow it up with saying, so you're the pastor. So it's, 
It's a difficult conversation to be, it's difficult to be in my life and have this conversation every week, but a preacher's role, uh, one of his most important relationships, other than his family, is going to be his role, his relationship with the shepherds, as we lead together, right? But the shepherds are the ones who have a flock and oversee the flock. And then the other word that Peter uses in verse 2 is this word for overseer or practicing oversight, the plural is a as episkopos. That's the Greek word. And we translate it as overseer or bishop. Now, bishop is a little more uncommon. The NRSV translates it sometimes as bishop. But the term overseer really describes, again, the role of a church leader. Someone who guides, who takes care of the church as a whole. A man named N.T. Wright, a great New Testament scholar, He said that an overseer is someone who has a bird's eye view of the church and can take care of the church as a whole. In the ancient world, Greek ship captains were considered overseers of their cargo. So in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, he uses the three words that we use interchangeably to describe our church leaders. Elders, shepherds, or overseers. And Peter's appeal to these elders, these shepherds, these overseers, is that he is a fellow elder. And not only that, he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. So he begins to describe to these elders and anyone else reading, here's what it looks like to lead. Here's what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. In the NIV it says, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Last week when we read through Paul's character sketch, his qualities, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says anybody who aspires to be an elder desires a noble task. So we talked about how someone has to have the desire to serve and to oversee a church and have pure desires in that. And Peter says they must be willing and eager to serve. Well, what will help with willingness and eagerness? Two things that I haven't really talked about yet in the sermon series. One of those is a shepherd's wife. That role is very important. And I don't say that to place more pressure on the shepherd's wives that we currently have or maybe the shepherd's wives that we will have in the future. I just say that because that role is very important. It's important for ministers. When this church was interviewing me for this job, guess who came along with me? My wife. And they wanted to know her. They wanted to talk to her because the wife's role is so important in ministry and in showing that support. So you want to find somebody who's willing and eager, then you also look to the shepherd's wife. And you look for someone who will be cohesive with the current group of shepherds. We have a vision at this church to make, mature, and multiply faithful followers of Jesus. People who have prayed and debated and discussed over what our vision is and how God is leading us. And that's our vision. And we have seven commitments. So we're looking for men who are willing and eager to serve, who also believe in these seven commitments. Who want to see this vision through. Men who can work well with the other shepherds. Now that doesn't mean they have to be best friends but people who can work together to create some synergy to help move our church into the future. Just like God shepherded the Israelites 
When we looked at Ezekiel 34 a couple of weeks ago, he was ahead of them, leading them. Peter writes that should not do so to pursue dishonest gain. What is that? Some people want to become a leader so they can have it on their resume or have a badge or a title that goes along with it. Maybe that's dishonest gain. Maybe you could throw other things into the mix. People desire to have authority or power. But Peter says, an elder, a shepherd, an overseer should do this because they're willing and they're eager to serve, not pursuing dishonest gain. In verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, not lording it over those who are in your charge or those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So take that first little bit, not lording it over. Who talks like that? What does that even mean? Don't lord it over someone. Peter, whether or not you realize it, is quoting his rabbi, his teacher, Jesus. In Matthew chapter 20, for example, uh, James and John, two of the twelve, their brothers, uh, with their mom, they come up to Jesus privately, and they had this request. You remember this story? The request is, from the mom, when you are sitting on your throne, grant that my sons may be at your right or your left. And Jesus basically told her, you don't know what you're asking, because for Jesus, when he's in his glory, he's going to be hanging on a cross. And there would be somebody to his right and to his left. But what they want, and that's why they come up to Jesus secretly, is they want to be put in position of power to be greater than everyone else, to be greater than the other apostles, to be higher than them. But they don't really know what they're actually asking. They're still confused. But when the other 12 apostles find out that they came to Jesus privately, they're upset. So Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity, and he talks about leadership. And he mentions Gentile rulers or Romans, or maybe just the way the world leads. And he says, not going to be like them, lording it over. What does that mean? What is your it? What Jesus means is your it is your power, your authority, your position. And he's saying you're not going to use that and lord it over. If anybody's reading from an English Standard Version this morning, the way that's translated is not domineering over someone else. Not lording it over. But Jesus says in Matthew 20, instead, you should serve. Just like Jesus came to serve, Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's how you lead. Not lording it over. So a shepherd is not many things. A shepherd is not a butcher. I was reading a story about a man who would give tours of the Holy Land. Some of you have traveled to Jerusalem and Galilee and been to the places where Jesus walked and ministered. And usually there's a tour guide guiding you along. You ride a bus. They show you where you're at and where you're going. And this tour guide was, every time they'd go out into the countryside, Inevitably, he would see a shepherd with a flock of sheep. And so he would use that opportunity to tell the people on his bus how gentle this relationship between a shepherd and the sheep is. 
how the shepherd gently leads, how the sheep know his voice and they follow him. And one time he was giving a tour and he looked out the window and he noticed that this shepherd had a stick and was chasing the sheep around, whacking them with a stick, throwing rocks at them, had dogs chasing the sheep. And he got really upset, the tour guide did, because he thought, this guy's ruining my point. These people paid a lot of money to come on this bus tour and this guy's not acting like a shepherd. So he, he asked the driver to stop. And he ran out and he confronted the shepherd in the field. And he said, man, you're a terrible shepherd. Why are you doing this? Why are you beating the sheep? I got all these people on my bus and you're ruining my point. And the guy said, whoa, you got me all wrong. I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. I'm not trying to lead these sheep. I'm trying to capture these sheep. So then he started using that as an illustration on his tours of what a shepherd is not. A shepherd is not a butcher trying to capture and destroy their sheep. Shepherd is not a hired hand. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about how he is the gate for the sheep and how he is the shepherd for the sheep. The sheep being all of us. And he said, the hired hand, somebody who's just hired to watch after the sheep, when danger comes, where are they going to go? They're going to take care of themselves and they're gone. But Jesus said he's a good shepherd because he lays down his life for his sheep. So a shepherd is not a butcher or a hired hand or even a cowboy. Lynn Anderson in his book uses this example. He says that Jesus doesn't say, I've come to be the brave cowboy, but I'm the good shepherd. A cowboy will drive the herd. A shepherd leads it and they follow. A shepherd is not a sheriff who has a gun and a badge and enforces the rules, and I love our police officers, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not what a shepherd is. A shepherd is not a CEO or a chairman of the board. A shepherd is someone who smells like sheep, who leads by being among their sheep. A shepherd is someone who leads, and maybe that means leading the sheep into uncomfortable territory. Shepherds know what's best for their sheep, even if it means they're a little bit uncomfortable. Timothy Keller wrote a book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And in this book, he uses the example of British shepherds. And he said that they take their sheep one by one in this large vat filled with antiseptic liquid, and they dip the sheep in the liquid. And they have to completely submerge them, eyes, nose, ears, And it's terrifying for the sheep. I mean, they are trying to resist it. They don't want it. They don't know what's going on. But if the shepherd didn't force them down into this liquid, they'd be subject to all sorts of parasites and diseases. So they do that because that's what's best for the sheep. The shepherds know what's best for the sheep. So we're looking for people who are willing to lead and lead gently But also, we're not looking for somebody, and and I don't think what Peter's saying when he says not lording it over is just to be a pushover and walk around smiling and giving out free hugs and just let anybody talk to you any way you want to. We're looking for people who know their sheep and know how to lead them. He says not lording it over those in your charge or those entrusted to you. If you're looking for application, if you're thinking, I'm not going to be a shepherd, I don't know this church well enough to nominate a shepherd, There's a lot of application for you as well. And one of those is, who is entrusted to you? This applies to parents. I have two children myself. 
So God has entrusted me with two children. For those of you who are teachers, God has entrusted you with a classroom. Whatever job that you may have, what has God entrusted to you? Who has God put under your care, and how do you lead? Now, the President of the United States, every morning, receives the, the PDF, PD, wait, yeah, President's Daily Brief, so the PDB. Try saying that quickly, and you'll mess it up like I did. The President's Daily Brief. And it's a sheet of paper, and on the sheet of paper is confidential information. It receives it every morning. CIA, covert operations, national security threats, anything that could possibly go wrong with our country, and he wakes up and he reads this sheet of paper, and then he has to go about his day. And he has to have the maturity to handle the information that he's reading, to know how to respond, and what to keep confidential. Because the president has a country that's been entrusted to him, just like shepherds have a flock that's been entrusted to them, or parents, you have children entrusted to you, or whatever it may be, we have to handle confidential information. So we're looking for people who have the spiritual maturity to know how to handle that information. Anybody who has worked with a church in a leadership position knows a lot of information. And people will come to you in confidence, needing someone to pray for you, someone to share or confess sins. So shepherds kind of bear the burden of knowing things about their sheep that they're not going to go and gossip about or share with others. So we're looking for people who are entrusted with a flock and have the spiritual maturity to know how to handle it. Andy Crouch calls this the hidden vulnerability of leadership. That all leaders have this burden to bear, and good leaders don't inflict pain, but they know how to bear it. Jesus was a great example of somebody who had authority. Jesus had authority, and he taught with one as authority, and he had people that followed him, that were entrusted to him with his authority, but he also led with vulnerability. He led them, he led his disciples into sometimes uncomfortable areas, but he knew what was best for them. But he also was willing to lay down his life for them, for those entrusted to you. Peter says, don't lord it over them, those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. This word in English that we translate as examples is the Greek word tupos. And we mentioned this last week. When we looked at 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1, that we're looking for people who live out the teachings and the characteristics of Jesus and set an example for everybody else who's following Jesus and how we should live. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So we're looking for people to lead us by example, by their marriage, by their family. And like I mentioned last week, it's not somebody who's perfect, but somebody who has struggled through life, struggled through raising children, and can be a good example to us. Someone who knows how to respond to people who are critical, to people who are upset, knows how to love people that are easy to love and love people who are difficult to love. We're looking for people who don't take their power and their authority and dominate over others, Lord over others, but set an example by the way that they live and the way that they lead. 
And then in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter appeals to the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd is Jesus. So Peter, a fellow elder, a fellow shepherd, says, this is how you lead, just like the chief shepherd, just like Jesus himself in the example that he set. For any of you looking at a calendar, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And traditionally, that's when we recognize and celebrate the resurrection. And the Friday before Easter is Good Friday. That's the time where we reflect on and remember the crucifixion, even though we do that every Sunday. But the Sunday before Easter, which is today, is known as Palm Sunday. And that symbolizes the last week of Jesus' life. When he rode into Jerusalem, not on a big, mighty horse, but on a, on a donkey. A humble king, as people laid down their palm branches, he entered into Jerusalem with a flock. He had people following him. And everything he did that last week of his life, he set an example for his disciples and for those that would follow him on what life looks like in the kingdom of God, what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. And Jesus had a burden to bear as a leader. He enters into Jerusalem willingly giving up his life for his flock, for us. Jesus left the comfort of heaven to come to this earth, to our universe, and to smell like sheep. That's how God initiated this plan of salvation through the incarnation was to come and to be among his people and to offer this sacrifice for his people. That's the kind of leadership that the chief shepherd sets for us. John Ortberg, in his book, Soul Keeping, uses the example of what he calls the overseer of the stream. And it's about this town that was way up in the mountains. And at the formation of the town, they hired a guy to be the overseer of the stream. And so he was way up in the mountains, and he would keep the stream clean. He would remove sticks and mud and prevent animals from walking through the stream. So the stream was crystal clear, so it flowed through the middle of town And that was the social hub of town. That's where everybody met. That's where all the businesses were. That's where the children played. That's where the life source of the town was. But it was kept pure because of the overseer of the stream. Well, many years later, the city council got together and decided that they needed to make some budget cuts. And nobody really saw the work of the overseer of the stream, so they thought, well, here's where we can save money. And they decided to cut his position. So way up in the mountains, he left. And at first, nobody really noticed, but as time went on, as the mud, as the sticks and the leaves got in the water, started to cloud the water, as animals would pass through the water and sometimes use the bathroom in the water, the water started to smell bad and look a little dirty. So businesses started leaving that area. It was no longer the social center of town. The children stopped playing around the stream, and the town was depleted. And then they realized, maybe we do need the overseer of the stream. So they rehired him, and through time, he cleaned the stream back up, and the life came back to that town. When I read that story, I thought a lot about those who lead our church. A lot of the work that they do is often unseen. 
We don't see all the calls that they take and the meetings that they're in and the people that they listen to and the decisions they make and the hospital rooms that they're in. We don't always see that. But the way that God has designed leadership in a church are shepherds who smell like sheep and we trust that they keep the life source of the church going. So this is an important time for our church. And I believe before we write a name down on a nomination form, which you're going to get one here in just a few moments, and you're going to have three weeks to prayerfully consider somebody to nominate. There's lots of scriptures on this nomination form that you need to read through. We trust in God to guide us to that right person or people, whoever that may be. I want to offer a prayer for that, and then as I say, a few more words this morning. So let's go to God in prayer. Lord, as we come before you again today, we thank you for this church. I thank you for the men and women who have been in different positions and different teaching roles all the years that have gone on before us. And as we think about the present and the future, and and we want to add additional shepherds to help in the role of shepherding this flock, I just pray that you would raise up those men, place it on their hearts, and guide us to the right men and their wives to help guide this church. Lord, we trust in you, and I pray that we will continue to ask for this guidance and that you give us the wisdom to do so. And we thank you, Father, for loving us and shepherding us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, this morning we're about to sing a few more songs. I ask that you continue to pray before you place a name on the the nominee list, the form. But we do have a chief shepherd who saved us. And we have shepherds that will be in this room, and I say this every week, and I know sometimes this is probably your cue to start picking up your Bible or your bulletin or your pen or whatever, or your diaper bag, but I just don't want you to lose sight of the fact that we do have shepherds in this room who are willing to pray with you and talk with you. So if you need a shepherd, there will be some in the back, and you can go talk with them privately. If you need anything to come up front, you can come up here. If anybody's in this room and is not following Jesus and wants to become a follower of Jesus, we can point you in that direction as well. Why don't you do that while we stand and sing?